Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first Wake Up uh, Week Ending podcast, because I should probably think of a name for this thing, uh, which, well, I hope to be able to add into the mix every weekend going forward, but uh, let me know what you guys think. It'll be primarily interview-based, and uh, today we have Anthony Starr, who plays uh, what I guess we describe as the character we kind of love to hate on Amazon Prime's The Boys, that would be Homelander. We talk all things Season 2, the first three episodes of which are now up on Amazon as of today including what's going on with that massive whale from the trailer, uh, Homelander's uh, unique parenting skills, as well as his thoughts on Aya Cash joining the show, and what we can expect from her character's relationship dynamic with Homelander, and if we'll ever see the uh, casual side of Homelander. And if so, uh, what would he wear? Anthony certainly had some uh, unique thoughts on that one that, to be honest, kind of sounded like things from Anthony's closet. I can't remember who it was. One of the execs said, you know, we want to get Homelander out of the, the, the Homelander suit. What would Homelander dress in? Like fucking Ed Hardy t-shirts and jeans? And Ant and I actually go back a ways. In my former life, uh, one of the things I did was leading Cinemax original series behind the scenes content. And one of the shows I was lucky enough to work on was a show called Banshee, which if you know it, you know it. But if for some reason you still haven't seen it, it's one of the very few shows I have a 100% success rate when I recommend the show for people to watch. However, Banshee is not on HBO Max for some reason. But, conveniently for fans of The Boys, it is on Amazon Prime. And as Anthony played the lead role in that show, uh, we got to know each other pretty well. So we also take a look back at that series for you LucasHUD fans, which now finished up uh, four years ago. Wow. So here's my first edition of this weekly podcast. And for any new listeners out there to the podcast, uh, The Wake Up gives you the Hollywood and media business news to know each weekday morning in about seven to ten minutes-ish. So please check one of those out, or more, uh, once you're done with this. And right after this conversation, I'm going to do a brief look back at the week that was, as well as a preview of the week ahead. A uh, hint, Monday is Labor Day. I know, thank God you listen to this podcast, right? So now Mr. Anthony Starr, as we discuss the boys and if he's maintaining his New Zealand lifestyle as he leads an L.A. existence. Are you in your flip-flops? Let me ask you that question. I'm in bare feet. Okay. Uh, and shorts. So, you know, I do have pants on, though, which is, you know, not, not standard for my Zoom meetings. So consider yourself very lucky, Sean. <laughs> well, we go way back. You know, a little respect is nice. You know? <laughs> exactly. Only for you, brother. Only for you. Uh, all right. You have a hit show in your hands, man. The boys. Worldwide phenomenon. I'm always a little uh, timid. Uh, uh, lauding it like that just yet because you know we've got yeah we had a really good start and it seems to be a, a very passionate um and, and growing uh fan base from season one and you know we're feeling really good about season two which is fantastic because uh it's not always the case with shows you know a lot of a lot of shows have a great first season and then sort of take a little bit of a downslide in season two. It's that difficult second album syndrome, you know, but thankfully uh, I can very, very positively and very genuinely uh, pimp season two, which is a really nice position to be in. Yeah. When did you first have a sense? I mean, you know, you get hired for a show, it's a new series, you shoot it, you come back, you do press, you know, a year later. When did you get a sense, all right, this is starting to take off? When did you finally, when was the indications for you? Like, all right, this is resonating beyond my friends and family who tell me I'm great. That's the, uh, the obvious audience. And my family is one of those families that are just going to love me no matter what, which is great. But also you can't put a lot of weight on that. But look, I, honestly, um, I, I've always had a, a, a rule of thumb that if you're having fun doing what you're doing and making what you're making, then some people, maybe not all, but some people will have fun watching it. And I think, you know, I've been on enough uh, films and, and TV shows now to, 
to be able to to get a sense on set of when things something's clicking or if it's a bit of a lemon you know and yeah uh you could tell very early on i, I would i would say from my first day on set shooting um it's always a bit of a a, a bit of a crab shoot up to up, up to that point but then just the feeling on on set it's a, you know it's a very difficult chemistry set to get the right actors, the right producers, the right crew, the camera, everything, DPs, directors across the board. Yeah. Um, and when I got on set, I could, uh, you know, let's not say the first day, but let's say the first episode, you could feel that there was a real, there was a synergy and uh, a creative collaborative uh, environment that, that was right. You know, you could feel that it wasn't a lemon. And, and then as the show went on, uh we had so much fun making it and um so my little my little my positive alarm bell went off uh, thinking yeah we're having fun someone will like this because right. they'll appreciate the fun that we're having and it will translate yeah lo and behold when we saw the episodes it was like oh this has the potential to strike a chord and i think we're, we're i think we're sitting in a good spot so do you, uh, you know, is the blonde hair an insurance policy about keeping your anonymity? Do people recognize you and kind of what's the, you know, what's the real life reaction of this show being out in the world and you not being a blonde haired, uh, you know, guy in a cape? <laughs> Funnily enough, um, it, it's largely as soon as I uh, finished the show, I kind of shave my head and go back to Lucas Hood mode. Uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, Benji. And, and it has gotten, you know, I know a lot of the other, uh, my friends, castmates, um, have been getting recognized and spotted a lot more as the shows sort of, particularly with lockdown, you know, people are watching more TV and looking for new shows. It's like a second life of the show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it has. We've got a, a, a sadly, we have a, a captive audience at the moment. So, so they're, they've been getting a lot more of that. And I haven't had so much until recently. And it started, uh, the awareness is building of season two coming out and it's getting back in people's, in the in the forefront of their minds, it's happening a little more. But uh, yeah, the blonde locks definitely are are a giveaway. So as soon as they go, uh, I tend to meld into the sidewalk again, and that's I'm okay with that to be honest. But we'll see what happens with season two. Yeah, because we also never see you in any other anything outside of the the you know the outfit. So you're not you're not even seeing any you know other characters have moments where it's you know they're dressed as you know regular people, but you you don't have that moment. You know you're always that guy. Yeah, I am basically Jaws in, in the show. You know, you kind of take the shark out of the shark outfit. And uh, and I think Homelander is one of those characters as well that we've, we talked it over and we discussed it. And it was, I can't remember who it was, one of the execs said, you know, we want to get Homelander out of the, the, the Homelander suit. And I, I was, what would he wear? What would Homelander dress in? Like fucking Ed Hardy t-shirts and jeans? Or like, like what would he wear? And I, I, I still haven't, come up with a good answer for that but i think as soon as you take this character the apex predator of the show take him out of that world and normalize him we lose something you know that, that very tangible threat you know we, we all of a sudden we see behind the curtain too much and that you don't want to give away too much of the bad guy you know you want you want to Whilst we want to know the reasons why, we don't want to. We want to keep a little bit of the mystery alive, and so uh, I, that I, I don't think I'm ever going to be running around in my Ed Hardy gears that I believe he should wear. <laughs> <laughs> 
So when the show, you know, a first season, you know, it really did work, but obviously it gives you an opportunity to like, all right, what things do we want to dial in creatively going to season two? You know, so what did the creative team want to lean into or perhaps, you know, adapt a bit? What were those conversations like, all right, season one was great. Season two, we want to go this little bit more in one way or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tricky with a show like this because there was so, so many big sequences in season one and, and there was so much, you know, it didn't hold back. It didn't pull any punches. It was very much um, right off the bat. It was, it had a pretty concrete footstep. It yeah. wasn't shy. You, you know, knew what the show was. was. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It was, and it was, uh, and you know, there was, like I said, there was some big sequences and it's, it's difficult to try and top those things and I think you can you can you can r run yourself into a corner pretty quick if you do try and get bigger and bigger and bigger because at some point it gets stupider it's, it's numbing uh, it's just like it's just this, you yeah, know, yeah I mean yeah. if you're always redlining then the audience yeah. you're right just does become numb and so the great thing is um we got a really very smart um boss in Eric Kripke, who said uh, season two is not going to be about going bigger. It's about going deeper with the characters. And we really want to get more, you know, inside these guys. And another thing he said uh, when we were having our, our talks for uh, season two was that anything that the characters think they've got or any sort of solid ground that they've got, any solid relationships that they've built, anything that they are holding on to is going to be taken away. And that, of course, then presents the characters... It, it forces them into uh, new new territory and new uh, presents them with new challenges that they've got to overcome. And uh, you know, most every scene or show is about or character story is about them trying either being out of control, trying to regain control. It's always, there's always a level of control in somewhere. So I would say, as a global note for the show, it is deeper across the board. And for Homelander, what that means is uh, he's really taken some bold steps in season one to try and control the world out, outside. You know, he's really been jokingly, but kind of truthfully said, uh, it, it's like uh, season one Homelander was like the, the actor that wants to become the producer. And, uh, and, and so he really made bold steps to try and make that happen and culminating with killing his right-hand woman. Uh, who violated trust, and then season two has become about okay. Now you've you, you've done that. Now how do you deal with the the forces that you've allowed into your world in in the form of Vought and Stan Edgar and yeah. this new character Stormfront that that is a a little a, a very sweet, lovely pit bull. Um, <laughs> huge problems for him. So. Without Madeline Stilwell there and and some yeah. of those buffers, like, it creates a power vacuum. It's like, all right, you stuck yeah, this. Is that like you got to fill this? You know, somebody's going to fill that void, and how you know it's either you or somebody else, or you know, it's going to shift. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, Stormfront is like uh, you know the terrorist groups moving into the vo the vacuum, you know, and uh, and she terrorizes Homelander. So it's um, <laughs> so it, it was great. All of that said, getting back to your question, it's despite going deeper and despite what Eric said, uh, somehow it got bigger as well. <laughs> There's I don't a shot of a whale in a trailer that I can recall that, you know, uh, driving in with a motorboat, I, you know, so. 
I couldn't believe it. I read that. That was episode three, I believe. And I read it and I was like, well, okay, Eric, we're not jumping the shark, but we, we're, we're certainly jumping. We're now we're jumping the aquatic mammal <laughs> only to, 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 and they stuck to their guns and they went with it. I didn't say a word, of course, it's nothing to do with me, but, but I was quietly scratching my head going, you know, is, have we gone too far? And that is, once I saw it, that is now my favorite sequence of the show. I, I howling with laughter and crying. I've, I've watched it so many times from the moment those little shark fins come up and then the deep turns up on a whale, that little look from the whale's back, he glances across like menace, men, the deep's version of menacingly. Right. Uh, the whole sequence is so absurd, but it's everything that is good about the show. You know, we can do these insane sequences and have these, these crazy effects and, and it, it, it works. Uh, Just go with it, man. I, That's I, it. You know, at that point I'm like, you know what? There's, there's big, much bigger brains than mine at work. I should just, let them do their thing and not question it. And, you know, as you mentioned Stormfront, so I'm a huge Aya Cash fan. So I set up a little bit about yeah. what, how she comes into this, into the show. And uh, yeah. I want one good Aya Cash set story. I don't care what it is. Just tell me something. Aya Cash plays the character of Stormfront. And right off the bat, she comes in. Homeland is playing Kiss. He's, he's old school. He's playing an old fashioned sort of uh, social media guy slash public um his relationship with the public is you know pretty old school she comes in live streaming and immediately puts him on the spot and right off the bat you know presents just a whole new set of challenges that homelander literally because he's being filmed can't deal with she's not afraid of him uh she doesn't respect him she doesn't do what normal the response from her is completely different uh to, to what he's used to. So, so immediately he's, he's thrown in the deep end and has to, has to deal with this little, little powerhouse. And, you know, the great thing is, 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 is that they did cast Aya, who is such a, first of all, she's a total pro, which I think was, you know, I, I think you get more out of someone when they're a really nice person playing someone despicable rather than hiring someone that's a bit of a jerk and trying to get them to be despicable because it comes naturally and they don't nothing to play off uh, of. Yeah. 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 You know, you, you miss a lot of nuance and, and a lot of layers that, that Aya brings to it. And it's, it's, I mean, it's a pretty rough character where, where it goes. It goes into some pretty sketchy territory. So having someone like her doing it is, uh, it, it was a great piece of casting and favorite moment working with, with Aya. Oh, there was, Oh, actually there's this, the, in, in episode three, there's a moment when uh, she really takes the gloves off and uh, reveals her intent very, very clearly uh, and unmistakably to Homelander in a very direct way. And it's the moment of realization for him. I don't say anything, uh, which, which is great. I don't have to learn any lines. I'm very, very lazy, as you know. Method actor, uh, uh, Ant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'd I rather know. Just, I know. Yeah, well, um, my memory is is shot to bits <laughs> because of my my happy youth. But um, but no, look, it, it is. I I do love scenes when 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 there's less talking, more doing. And uh, there's a scene in in episode three where, where when she reveals her intent, as I said, and uh, and she's so sweet and nice about it, and it makes it 
that much worse. Of course, you know, bad news delivered by it's someone a with a saccharine yeah. smile is always worse. You know, it's always yeah. more Why despicable. And, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and it's also that lack of respect and lack of fear as well. It's a real, yeah. it's a big F you. And so I really enjoyed that because it was just, it was the first time these characters really come head to head. And it does set up um, the rest of the season, which uh, just gets darker and darker and worse and worse. And uh, that was my favorite moment with her. It was the there will be blood moment. <laughs> and then, I mean, she's new, you know, you guys have had a season already with the cast. She's the new person coming in in terms of getting the vibe of a set, just offset yeah. hanging out. Was that kind of pretty natural to feel or how was that kind of assimilation for her? entering the, the world of the boys offset, you know, so to speak. I, I, I almost hate answering questions about the offset stuff oh. because I feel like I'm such a cliche. Uh, <laughs> but Eric said uh, at the beginning when we were talking about me coming aboard, he said, you know, I've, I've got a no asshole policy uh, in the show. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I've heard that before. As I say, yeah. But right. everyone says Every that, right? I have a step full of assholes. Like, yeah, nobody ever says that, you know. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, I, I hired one or two just to keep everyone on their toes. But right. I, there is genuinely no assholes. And so, you know, that's a tough environment. And we've been together a year and we're all pretty tight um, socially and and uh, work-wise as well, everyone's got a really strong work ethic, which also is, is rare to have everyone mm -hmm. unanimously uh, focus in the right direction and pulling together. You know, thankfully, Aya came in, she didn't have to try and, and, and be social or get on the right side of people because she's, you know, she's, like I said, she's a pro and she's there to do a job. And for me, I, I, and I think I can speak for everyone, everyone that uh, had anything to do with her very early on, realized immediately that she's done her homework like it's work first yeah uh and then it just so happens she's very intelligent and lovely and super funny <laughs> so it made it and i, I like having a good time on yeah, set and so all of a sudden there's like yeah. this instant rapport and it's like oh wow that's this is win 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 uh i think uh the work speaks for itself and uh, she did a, an amazing job you know, and Homelander has a, you know, a twist at the end of season one as well uh, with some fatherhood and other. So are we seeing a bit of that side <laughs> in season two? Is that going to, you know, I assume it will factor into the season somehow, but. I mean, the teasers that are out there already show uh, Homelander doing some, some not, so, some less than amazing parenting by pushing the child off the roof, um, <laughs> which again, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I think it's one of the funniest things I've seen. Uh, in a long time, that little squeaky high-pitched squeal as he flies into the dirt, uh -huh. uh, it tickles me. I don't know, maybe I'm dark, but uh, definitely that is, yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother set of challenges because, uh, and the, the closest thing he had to a father was a scientist who was basically exploiting him and there was no love, there was no, so there's no mummy or daddy, there's no, no parenting, there's no no role models, no example to to, to learn from. So all of a sudden he decides that he wants to have a son, uh, wants to be in his son's life. And he learns very quickly that children, as I'm sure many, many parents are finding now in COVID, uh, <laughs> that it, what a great job teachers do, but you know, kids don't, they, they don't always do as they're told and they're not easily controlled and you can't 
scare them into doing what you want because they just right. buckle. And uh, so he's he's really forced into a situation where he's in, in yet another way in season two. He's got to try and the old dog has to learn some new tricks. And the results, uh, if I if I to be diplomatic, uh, they're mixed. Um, <laughs> Very, very mixed, but it is. It's Don't a, get your it's hopes up. <laughs> well, no. Interestingly, I mean, because of you know the kids so sweet and nice and vulnerable that it does bring out new sides of Homelander as well. And right. in his own way, he tries. Um, uh, I I don't. I think it's less than successful, but it's very entertaining. Uh, you mentioned Lucas Hood. We can't go out without talking a little bit of Banshee at this point. You know, it's been four It'd be years. <laughs> It'd be rude not to talk a little Banshee. You still have, does it still resonate with people? Has it kind of gone, it's been four years. Has it kind of gone on its own history at this point or for you? Or what's, you know, what's, what's it like for you now with that show? Sure. It's, it's, it's all some little resurgence. Uh, it, it's been great. Well, it's, a, it's all streaming on, uh, you can get it on Amazon now, on Amazon Prime. Yeah. So, and a lot of the fans that gravitated to Banshee have made the leap over to the boy. There's definitely a Venn diagram there. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. difficult, but it's quite pulpy, to, you know, mm-hmm. in, in certain ways. And maybe not pulpy, but, yeah. you know. It's, it's fine. It has a little, yeah, that element. Yeah, and, you know, know, there's, you know, the violence in, in Banshee yeah. was always uh, uh, laced with humor and, and, and heavily stylized. So there's a lot of elements that people gravitate towards in both shows. When we've gone to um, Comic-Cons and conventions, almost 50% of the people that, that come up and want to say hi and, and meet and greet and whatnot um, are Banshee fans. Right. So it, it's funny because um, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know, those, but we had as well, we had a very uh, loyal and passionate oh, yeah. fan base, intensely, yeah. fanatic about the show and it was great it was it was awesome and and that is filtering through and in, into the response to the boys as well so yeah. you know for me i mean i loved banshee i loved doing it i did not love getting bruised and beaten up every day but <laughs> well the first you know, thing we, body... met, uh, we met on set you had a fat lip i'm like hi i'm uh, i'm sean <laughs> that was day one that was day one of the shoot like, day yeah. one i got six <laughs> stitches in my lip and i was like okay is this how we're gonna go on is, and... welcome to banshee yeah <laughs> yeah, welcome to ba- welcome to Banshee. You know, like yeah, that was the baptism of fire that was yeah. indicative of how things were going to go. And yeah. l- let me tell you, I'm I'm more than happy to put on spandex and just tell other people what to do, <laughs> and and laser things with a head move instead of doing, you know, 120 move fight sequences. Yeah. So uh, it it was a great show, and it was a great uh, a, a great thing to be a part of. And I'm I'm you know I'm super happy that people are finding it again on, on uh, Amazon Prime and it's having a, a, a second life, so yeah. to speak. So, and it really does, it really has been one of those things that people that come and find the boys and then maybe look at what else I've done are going back and finding Banshee and going, oh wow, this is great. Yeah. How did I not know about this show? Like when it was, you know, it's like a weird, you know, like where was I for this thing? This is the best show. It's kind of the gift that keeps on giving for me, which is, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's great. So you're already renewed for season three, which is nice going into season two here. So I guess you probably haven't had too many conversations about three yet. I'm sure you're pitching New Zealand as a, uh, as a place to shoot. I, I would love it if Homelander and uh, Butcher learned to surf uh, on the west coast of the North Island in New Zealand. Just, Just putting it out there or maybe in Hawaii. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, 
uh, so far, no one has taken us up on that storyline. Yeah. But uh, oh, oh, the, the the words that come to mind after I, I I can't give away season two, obviously, but uh, the only discussion that I've had with Eric about season three, uh, he said, "I'm I'm just going to tell you in two words, homicidal maniac," and I was like. <laughs> Okie doke. I like it. Uh, it gives me nothing but everything at the same time. So I have no idea where they're going to go, go with that. But if there's one thing I've learned with these guys, uh, particularly with Eric, you know, his, his sensibility with this show and it, it really, I think it really comes through in season two, which I, I think is a, a step up from season one on every level. Now that we've seen all of season two, we can really lean into the strength of the ideas and the writing that the, the, the team comes up with. And I, it's great to have Amazon being so supportive and really feeling the groundswell in the launch of season two. We're really feeling that at the moment. And it, it's great to have the network so supportive and, and, and yeah, with the announcement of season three, that's indicative of that, that support. So just great to be able, you know, that's one of the great things about TV as well. You get to have another bite of the cherry and go back and, yeah, revisit yeah. these characters and, and come back with a... Get the hair ready. Uh, with, with blonde hair, yes, of course. <laughs> I get to dye my hair again and put on the spandex. So, yeah, we're all, we're all super excited. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, congratulations. You know, it's, uh, it's funny. I rewatched the first episode and the last episode just to refresh. You know, it's been a year since I've seen it. And I'm just like, he's a fucking good actor. I'm like, you know, I've been a Banshee. I'm like, we knew each other or whatever. But like... <laughs> I'm like, this guy's doing something totally different and selling this whole thing in a different way. And it's like, it's really nothing to do with, you know, how I knew him before, and, you know, as a, yeah, as a fan yeah, sheet. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's what he's doing. He's that guy. It's, it's, you know, it's a really great thing to see. It's, it, and that's, but the, I come again, I defer slightly, well, a lot actually to the writing and to the team effort because, you know, it's that, that, that thing when you get on set and what's the vibe? Is it take risks or is it, just, just get it right because we gotta we yeah, we yeah. gotta move on and we got a yeah. busy day and yeah right off the bat this has been a an environment of taking risks and and trying things and playing around and that gives you it, I, I mean it's the perfect environment to work in so um i gotta come back i you know to you know i i it sounds like uh, um he's paying me to say all this nice stuff about him and and he is clearly but uh <laughs> yeah yeah, but uh, but no, Eric, Eric, not Eric, no yeah, yeah. policy. Yeah. It really did. He across the board, like we have such a great team from the costumers to the 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 grips to the ads to the directors across the board. Oh, and the cast. Yeah. Um, but it really has been a, a hell of a fun ride thus far. So it's going to be awesome to be able to do it again. Once again, you can check out The Boys on Amazon Prime as of today. The first three episodes are up now, and the remaining five episodes will drop weekly on Fridays. And now a look back at the week that was, and a look ahead to the week ahead. I'm going to figure out a new name for that thing. It was a very active week for casting news, so here's the rundown. Amy Adams and Julianne Moore have joined Ben Platt and Caitlin Deaver for Universal's Dear Evan Hansen movie. A couple of new names were added to Paul Thomas Anderson's next movie. Adam Driver, Gerard Butler, and Jack Quaid all announced brand new film roles. Jamie Foxx signed on to both a comedy series and another movie at Netflix. Carol Baskin will be dancing with the stars this fall. The presidential debate moderators were announced. 
Ed Sheeran became a dad, and Emma Roberts announced she's going to be a mama, as I quote Forrest Gump for some reason. And The Rock and Batman both contracted COVID-19. And way to go out with the high note. Over in project news, Harry and Meghan chose Netflix as their Hollywood home. The Game of Thrones Brain Trust announced their first Netflix project. John Ridley and Carlton Cuse are teaming up for a Hurricane Katrina limited series at Apple. Arnold Schwarzenegger signed on for a TV series with Skydance. Stars will now have three spin-off series from Power. The Fresh Prince cast is reuniting over at HBO Max. Mariah Carey set up a Christmas special at Apple. CBS picked up a dance competition show from LL Cool J and Chris O'Donnell, although of note they will not be dancing together, as far as I know. Uh, Disney Plus announced a late October premiere date for The Mandalorian Season 2, and that Mulan is going to hit the service without the $30 price tag as of December 4th. And the Paramount Network canceled Whiskey 68 and AMC canceled Nosferatu. Again, just couldn't go out in a high note. Well, I have my first note in this podcast format. Over in the media business. AT&T kind of dominated the week as it looks like they're starting to make some serious moves to reduce their $150 billion plus of debt that the company is currently carrying. First was the report in the Wall Street Journal that they're shopping a significant and possibly majority stake in DirecTV, if anybody wants it. It looks like the initial talks are with private equity groups versus other telecom or media companies. And then there was the additional report this week, I think from Bloomberg, that they're no longer looking to sell their Warner Brothers gaming division for a $4 billion price tag, and instead they're now looking to sell off their Xander ad tech division, which they just started to build a couple of years ago. And that price tag is likely going to be far less than $4 billion. But I guess every little bit counts. Elsewhere, the pressure is mounting on TV networks to allow pandemic-related cancellation clauses in upfront TV advertising contracts. There was a lot of chatter that a TikTok deal would happen this week, but uh, that turned out to be a complete waste of time. It was also a busy week in the talent agency world, as another agent left CAA for the management business, this time at Three Arts. UTA laid off 50 people. And that new Peter Maselli-led management and personal branding company got a name. And we got a better look at who was financing it. Oh, that name was uh, Range Media Partners. So I guess we call them RMP. But most importantly, this week showed the greatest signs of life for the movie business as we, uh, well, used to know it. As the box office came back to life for the first time since early March, Tenet, of course, is now in theaters. The country's largest movie theater chain, AMC, hit a 70% reopened rate for their theaters, including in markets like New Jersey and San Diego, and the first major IRL film festival since Sundance kicked off in Venice. Now a brief look at the week ahead. The biggest news of the week is going to be the NFL on Thursday night as they kick off a new season. And the Toronto International Film Festival also kicks off on Thursday, although mostly virtual. Seth Meyers returns to his studio on Tuesday. Hulu drops their new comedy Woke on Wednesday. The Jay Roach-directed special, or movie, I guess, uh, called Coastal Elites that they shot this summer debuts on Saturday. And both Tenet and Mulan will both be in theaters as of next Friday. Well, in China. But to finish out here, it was just one week ago today that we all got the news that not only shook Hollywood, but uh, the world, with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And of course, there was a lot of sadness and just bewilderment in the days since. But I also saw a lot of love and inspiration coming forward, which I definitely don't think we've seen the last of, especially as his last film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, awaits a fall release from Netflix. That's a wrap for this first interview podcast for The Wake Up. Thanks for listening. And if you have not yet, please hit the subscribe and give a rating on the Apple Podcasts. And remember not to work from home on Monday. And I'll see you on Tuesday.